Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From KMOX Sports. The young swings and that's a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. On a Friday night, we welcome you into another edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Great to have you with us. My name is Matt Pauley. A full two-hour edition of the program. Is this the first two-hour show this week? I think it might be. Six. I'm looking at Matt Pajeski, and he's like, ah. See, uh, Tuesday, what do we have on Tuesday? Do we have Billikens on Tuesday? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. We do welcome you into the program here on uh, KMOX. I can't remember what I had for lunch last yesterday. Fair. Can't remember what how many two-hour shows we did this week. I do know we got a lot coming up on the program this evening as we take you till uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, in about 10 minutes, we are going to be joined by Andrew Eight. He's a St. Louisan, and he's uh, one of the hitting gurus with Driveline Baseball. And driveline is a baseball kind of, they do a lot of things. They're not just hitting. They do pitching. They do, they do a lot of stuff. Uh, but they're really top of the edge from a uh, from a data and analytics standpoint, from a technology standpoint. They are leading the way. And a couple cardinals of note uh, go to their clinic and do some things. And we're going to talk with uh, Andrew uh, just about what they do, what those couple cardinals uh, have been doing, where, wh- how they utilize the information. I think I would say this to you because I know there's a lot of people listening to this show. The moment, the moment you hear me say data and analytics when it comes to baseball, you start shaking your head. You, you don't want to hear it. You don't like it. You think baseball is too reliant on it. You think that uh, just viewing things with your eye and not not always going with what some computer might tell you, what some algorithm might tell you, that that's the way to do it, That because that, that's the way baseball used to be played. Trust me. I hear people say that all the time. I would encourage you. I would First off, I disagree with you. I respect you, but I disagree with you. I would also encourage you to listen into this conversation with Andrew here in about 10 minutes or so, uh, very much with an open mind as we uh, have a lot of things to uh, to get into there. And it's very interesting to know like what's going on during the offseason where baseball players can go specifically work on things and try to fix some things or make some things better in their swing. Baseball is an interesting sport in the sense that 
it's really tough to make in-season changes. So, because if you've done something one way and it's gotten you all the way to the big leagues, but then it doesn't work in the big leagues, if you try, you, you can go out and take batting practice every single day and work on something, but when the lights turn on and you're playing a game and you need to come up with a hit, it's really hard to just try to work on your new thing during the game, knowing that for at least a little while, it's not going to be as successful as what you were doing, even though in the long term, it's going to be more successful. I used to see it all the time when I was broadcasting baseball at the AAA level. This was one of the more interesting things that I saw. And it's something that I watch out for, quite honestly, when players get sent down from the big leagues and go to to the AAA to work on something. I almost want to see struggles from that player. I don't want to see them go down and excel right away at like Memphis. And stick with me here. This is why. If if there is a player who had all kinds of success at AAA, they get to the big leagues and that success does not exist anymore and there's a reason why and there is specifically something that they need to work on and then they go back to Memphis to work on that, and all of a sudden their numbers are exactly what they were before that eventually got them pushed back up to the big leagues, my first inclination in that situation is that that player has just simply gone back to doing what they were doing before because that they can be successful at AAA with that. It may not work in the big leagues, but it'll work at AAA. When I think that real change might be happening in season, and it's very, very hard for any real change to be happening in season, but when I think that there might actually be real change happening in season in those type of situations is when a player has a ton of success at AAA, gets to the big leagues, it doesn't work at the big league level, and then they go to AAA and they struggle. Because if they, we already know that this is somebody who can dominate the AAA level. If they're struggling, many times what that means is that they are intentionally working on something and it's going to take a little while for them to get it right. So it's one, and I probably should, during the season, I should probably talk about that more often and I should probably reference it more often because there are certainly times where somebody gets sent down and they're struggling and I'm kind of dismissive in their struggles. I might say something like, oh, well, their struggles are continuing in Memphis as they went 0 for 5 with four strikeouts or something like that. Really, in those situations, I should probably be more open to the fact that, yeah, they're probably working on something. And that's where it, that's why it's not working at the moment. But eventually you hope that it is going to uh, come around. So that's kind of a, a long sidebar to preview my conversation with uh, Andrew. That's going to be coming up in uh, just a little while. Uh, We will uh, get into uh, some XFL football. The Battle Hawks, their schedule is out. We are getting closer and closer to that. St. Louis City SC, they they made a roster move. They now have a backup goalie. We'll tell you about him. Uh, We'll talk slew basketball. Bad news for them. Fred Thatch uh, Jr. done not just for the season, but his career has come to a conclusion. And uh, Illinois basketball losing uh, one of their top players as well. So there's a lot to get into, not to even mention everything going on with the uh, NFL, the DeMar Hamlin situation, how the NFL is handling that, what it's going to look like, why there might be a neutral site game at some point uh, this year. So, yeah, 
a lot to get into. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. You can also uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Andrew Ite from Driveline Baseball joins us next at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Does it continue here on KMOX? Matt Pajeski was just making fun of me because if you were listening to uh, the Dave Glover show today, we played Pyramid, and at one Kevin Wheeler and I were on a team together, and one of the categories was 90s bands, and I missed Counting Crows, and just now as that song was going, I was obnoxiously singing along with it with the microphone, of course, turned off, and I, I realized... Pajeski could any moment just like turn the microphone on and then you could be hearing obnoxious Matt Pauley singing Hanging Around by the Counting Crows. And nobody other than Matt Pajeski needs to uh, needs to hear that. We do welcome you back into the program. As always, if you don't want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or just tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, Very happy to welcome on to the program. Looking forward to uh, this. If you are a baseball nerd like me, uh, this is somebody who you're excited to talk to. His name is uh, Andrew Eit. He is uh, the hitting coordinator with Driveline Baseball. Uh, Now, there's going to be a lot of people out there who know Driveline Baseball, a lot of people that don't know Driveline Baseball. More on that in a moment. Uh, this offseason specifically, a couple Cardinals of Notes have been working uh, with uh, Driveline in Nolan Arnado and Lars Newtbar. And uh, Andrew is also a St. Louis guy, grew up in the St. Louis area, uh, went to uh, McKendree. So I didn't even realize that uh, until just a little while ago. But with all that being said, we're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew A-Y-D-T. Andrew, thanks so much for uh, taking some uh, time with us today. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's always a great day to talk to a little Cardinals baseball. Yeah, it's um, it's fun to have you on. You're a St. Louis guy originally. You're now based in Seattle with your work with uh, Driveline Baseball. Let's start with this because uh, there's going to be people listening here on KMOX that have never heard of Driveline Baseball, and then there's going to be people who see maybe some clips on, on social media and have kind of heard about it. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of connections to big league players, including some Cardinals. Talk to me a little bit about Driveline Baseball and what it is that you guys do yeah so driveline is a player development company uh specifically in in baseball so we specialize on the hitting pitching and then also the high performance side or like the weight room um so we do everything from off-season training to in-season training it's very like data and analytically driven uh, as long with like video and things like that so we kind of measure as much as we can to learn as much as we can and then implement that with players um, to help them have like the best season and career that they can so we really got connected to this and wanted to have you on specifically because there's been some social media stuff recently with uh, Nolan Arnato and Lars Nootbaar being there. We'll, sp- we'll talk specifically about that in a moment. But I think from a really general perspective, what's the difference between what any, say, professional baseball player does in season with their respective hitting coaches versus what they're doing out of season when they come see you guys? Yeah, that's a great question. So in-season and off-season training can be completely different. So what we're able to do in the off-season versus what the coaching staff for the Cardinals can do in-season is a lot different. So the off-season, we have up to a month or three or four months with the guy before they have to perform. And so we can make a lot of more like actual like swing changes and performance-based changes to set them up for the next season. Whereas the coaching staff for in-season, it's about – playing that night. So we have the luxury of, you know, playing out a training program to make a change over the next month or two, whereas that staff has to get the guy ready to go perform that night. So a lot of the work that they do is about optimizing um, performance in the here and now, whereas like we can make more like long-term changes with a player. I've always told people and I've always thought one of the toughest things in sports is maybe changing your swing in season because you can sit there in batting practice and you can work on things, but when the lights turn on at night and you need to go have success, trying to work through some tweak that you've made is, is not easy to do. Can you speak to that a little bit about uh, how, how tough it is and how challenging it is and maybe why there's such a benefit to working on those type of things in the off season? Yeah, exactly. So the hard part about in season is a lot of the training you do, um, a lot of the science behind it doesn't necessarily say that it's going to show up that night because the changes don't happen that quick. So a lot of those changes need to happen in the off season, And then once you get into the season, it's more about maintaining that performance and those changes you made. So finding that routine from the off season that you can do pregame to help you like maintain that change during the season. And then mostly it's about preparing for that night's pitcher as well. There is a certain contingent of baseball fans that hear about data and analytics and they want to they want to dismiss it. And I always say why would you ever dismiss information? You should take it, you should use it. When you're using it, what kind of information are you getting from these hitters then you can then try to use in kind of a functional way to make them better? Yeah, so we we feel that a lot of the stuff that coaches would look at without data and numbers, like we're just measuring that now so we can take the guessing out of it. Uh, especially at the highest level with when there's millions of dollars on the line, with especially the player like Nolan Arenado and for the Cardinals as well, you really don't want to be guessing as much and just like relying on your eyes. So we'll measure 
as much as we can, kind of heat check it with our eyes and then go forward to make a change. Um, so we're looking at everything from they performed in season of how hard they're hitting the ball, how often they're putting it in play, um, to also stuff that we get while they're in gym with us in the facility of how their body's moving. So we have a, a full biomechanics lab as well that the guys come and go through. So we we'll have 47 markers all over their body. Um, that's telling us everything that their body's doing during the swing of the positions that they get into, get out of, how each body part is moving, how fast it's moving, and like what that does to the to the ball when they hit it so we can make very detailed changes that we know is going to lead to performance um, on the field and kind of take the guesswork out of it. All right, I'm going to get really nerdy here, and we're talking with uh, Andrew Eight from, uh, from Driveline Baseball. In a major league game, in many minor league games, they've got all the cameras, they've got all the stat cast data. The, the, the data, the information that comes out of a major league baseball game is insane. But what they don't have is they don't have markers on the bodies that are registering what's going on. So what are you measuring uh, when these guys come in in the offseason that doesn't get measured even with all the cameras and all the information that's coming out of a major league game? Yeah, so we're measuring exactly – like what their exact mechanics are during the swing. Um, so instead of kind of like relying on our eyes during the season, we can measure it and look through our eyes as well and then make changes. Um, so we actually have force plates in the ground of our batting cages as well. So we can see how much force they're putting into the ground that is then coming back up their body. And then we can see how well their body is transferring that energy into the bat and into the ball. So we can see where it kind of goes wrong or where there's any disconnect and kind of like how much bat speed and, and exit deal that can result in. And then also like how their body is moving to result in like the bat path that they use and like the, um, that results in like whether they hit ground balls, line drives, fly balls, and can kind of optimize like where they're hitting the ball on the field as well. All right, so one of those things we always hear, we, we hear about exit velocity and we hear about launch angle. And a lot of people, I think cynics out there who don't like the data and don't like the analytics say, you should never go to the plate thinking about launch angle. And I, my response to them is they're not. A good launch angle is just the result of having proper mechanics and having a good swing. You don't go to the plate thinking about launch angle. You go to the plate trying to swing correctly, and then launch angle ends up being a thing. So give me your thoughts on that and uh, how, how you get the proper launch angle, but it's also not something where you're focused on launch angle, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So – Ironically, every every ball in play has a, a launch angle, so even a uh, a bunt would have a launch angle. So it's just a measurement, um, and then we're just kind of like helping them like produce the best like ball flight possible. Uh, and so basically, anything you do is going to result in a launch angle as long as you're putting the ball in play. And then we can kind of help guys tailor that to what's going to help them perform the best. So if they swing the bat really fast and hit the ball really hard they can get away with a higher launch angle. Uh, if they're going to be more of a power hitter, like we'll kind of tailor it more towards hitting the ball more in the air more often. But if it's more of a speed guy that puts the ball in play a lot, who doesn't swing the bat very fast, we'll kind of ch- help train them for like a lower launch angle that's hitting like low line drives over the infield. So we actually see launch angle, like the batting average is at its highest at, at 12 degrees, which is like right over the infield. So we can help those guys like optimize for for batting average and, and on base percentage. But majority of guys aren't going up to the plate thinking about um, launch angle. You know they're letting their training up to the game kind of help like that take over. 
because, uh, you know, guys throwing 95 to 100 miles an hour, uh, like you need to be focused on squaring the ball up and, and reacting to the pitcher, uh, not necessarily like a, a launch angle or what your body's doing. What's the reaction more often than not the first time you guys get your hands on somebody and you put them through and you get all the sensors on them and you take them to the monitor or the computer or wherever you, the phone, I don't know where you show them the data, but when they see that information for the first time, what's generally the reaction? Usually they're, they're very excited about it because um, we find a lot of ways that can help them improve. Um, it can help their team win more games and also can help them make more money as well. Um, so, like, a lot of guys, they get to this point in their career, like they're kind of finding small areas of improvement that can be pretty tough to, to find and to, uh, to change. Like, uh, you know, you have a guy like Nolan come in who's just has like a, a laundry list of accolades and is going to be a Hall of Famer. It's like kind of like what's the next step for him, and that's why we measure so much stuff so that we can find like where there's little areas of improvement and like what's the lowest hanging fruit that's going to help have like the biggest impact for him for the next year. Yeah, not trying to get you to give too much information away, but from a very general perspective, what is that next step for somebody like Nolan who's already one of the top hitters in baseball? Yeah, so his next step is continuing to train bat speed um, and exit velocity. So he came to us last offseason coming off another very good year, um, but it wasn't quite up to, to his standards. Um, he saw like a little bit of a dip in offensive production, so he was kind of looking for that next step. And so we kind of grade all of our hitters. Everything we collect kind of goes back to our, our big three, which is bat speed, bat-to-ball skills, and swing decisions. So bat speed is how fast you're swinging the bat. Bat-to-ball skills is how often you can put the ball in play, and when, when you do, like what's the quality of the contact uh, when you do, and then swing decisions. So he's well above league average. He's one of the best. Uh, in the MLB at bat-to-ball skills and putting the ball in play, and he has good swing decisions. So, like, our plan of attack there was to help him train to move a little bit better and swing the bat faster to hit the ball harder and just kind of add speed on top on top of, like, everything he already did really well. Uh, and so last year he increased his bat speed by two miles an hour. Uh, we saw, like, a really big surge in production again and helped him have one of the best offensive years of his career. I've talked to people. I, I recently talked to somebody who was a former scout who had the Cardinals as one of his teams and referred to uh, Lars Nootbaar when he was coming up kind of as just an organizational guy. And now all of a sudden uh, we'll see if he can continue on. But Nootbaar really had a breakout this past season, and they're re- really relying on him to be a big part of the team this upcoming year. What have you seen from him as he's really kind of transformed himself from being just a guy to all of a sudden a really, really big part of a very good team's lineup? Yeah, so that is kind of the culmination of Lars putting in a lot of hard work over a few years. So he's been with us in the off season for a few years now, um, and also you know really working hard with the coaching staff for the Cardinals every year in the minor leagues and stuff as well. And when he started, he was kind of a uh, he's kind of closer to, to Nolan, uh, whereas he has a really good ability to put the ball in play. Uh, Lars is going to walk a lot. Uh, and like, but he wasn't hitting the ball or moving the bat that fast. And so he spent the last couple of years really targeting that. And that's why you can see like the kind of like newfound power that he's been displaying on uh, some in MLB the last like year and a half or so. Uh, I'm really excited for him to get more consistent uh, at bats too. And kind of like that next step is just getting more at bats at the, the big league level. And then this off season as well, he's 
working to kind of improve his basketball skills even a little bit more as well. He has a great ability to put the ball in play. And then now the next step is kind of when it is putting it in play, kind of improving that value on it, like where he's hitting it, kind of optimizing like his launch angles, so to speak. So he hits a little bit less ground balls, a little more line drives. Is there much communication between you, your, your staff members at your place, and members of respective organizations who have players, whether they're major league or minor league players, uh, but have players coming to you? Do you guys chat a lot? I wouldn't say a lot, but there's definitely some communication. Um, some coaching staffs are very good about kind of like towards the end of the offseason reaching out and kind of discussing um, like what was targeted during the offseason and kind of what went well and in some areas of improvements, just kind of they can get our end of it to really provide their players like the the best situation possible to kind of mesh the two philosophies and, and kind of hit the ground running at the beginning of the spring. How different are hitting philosophies in Major League Baseball from one organization to the next? Are we at a point right now where – we kind of know enough about hitting that most teams are sort of doing the same thing. It's kind of all over the map um, still. I'd say there's probably a good, like, third that have kind of taken, like, the new school philosophy, um, and there's still a kind of like a bottom tier that's pretty, like, old school. But like most things in life, the answer is kind of in the middle. Having a blend of the old school and the new school is the best way to go. Um, having some tech but still, like, relying on your scouts and coaches that have, like, really good eyes. Uh, and so, like, that's something the Cardinals are really good about. Um, that's why they produce so many, like, high-level players from the minor leagues um, as well. They're good at blending blending the two and providing a great culture for the players. He's Andrew I You follow him on Twitter at Andrew A-Y-D-T, hitting coordinator with Driveline Baseball. Andrew, I hope people enjoyed uh, me being able to nerd out on hitting a little bit with you, but this is a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for taking the time to have me on. I really appreciate it. Andrew Wright joining us here on Sports Open Line, and we appreciate him uh, taking some time with us again. uh, Hitting coordinator, driveline baseball, and that kind of gives you a little bit of an inside look on what's going on and uh, the work that's done in the off season, the fact that uh, Nolan Arnato, Lars Newtbar, they're trying to go specifically get better in some areas, and they go work, and um, that, that's just that's how baseball players work today. It's a, it's it's an all year, twelve month a year sort of deal, and a lot of them use facilities like driveline baseball. So we'll get Andrew on again for sure, and maybe get a little bit of an update uh, as we look at uh, some of the progressions of some of the hitters that they have worked with. A little bit of breaking news coming down right now. The Los Angeles Dodgers have officially moved on from pitcher Trevor Bauer. They owe him lots and lots and lots and lots of money, but he's not going to be a Dodger. Is he going to pitch anywhere moving forward? We'll discuss it coming up in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City! KMOX. Sports Open Live rolls on here on a Friday night. Hope you've had a wonderful week. We're back with you here on uh, KMOX. Some breaking news coming down right now. I guess breaking in the sense that it's happening, not breaking in the sense that we knew it was going to happen. The Dodgers have officially cut ties with pitcher Trevor Bauer, Former Cy Young Award winner, last year and a half, has been out of baseball. He's been uh, fighting sexual assault allegations. He was officially designated for assignment in a statement. The Dodgers said, 
The Dodgers organization believes that allegations of sexual assault or domestic violence should be thoroughly investigated with due process given to the accused. From the beginning, we have fully cooperated with Major League Baseball's investigation and strictly followed the process stipulated under Major League Baseball's joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. Two extensive reviews of all the evidence available in the case, one by Commissioner Manfred and another by a neutral arbitrator, concluded that Mr. Bauer's actions warranted the longest ever active player suspension in our sport for violations of this policy. Now that this process has been completed and after careful consideration, we have decided that he will no longer be a part of our organization, unquote. It's an expensive decision for the Dodgers. They are still on the hook for $22.5 million, although for the Dodgers, $22.5 million, not the end of the world. If he does sign with another Major League Baseball team, they could pay him the minimum, $720,000, and then the Dodgers would owe him $22.5 million minus $720,000. So about $21.75 million if we need to do the math on the fly. So a couple things here. First off, he's going to clear waivers. Designated for assignment, nobody's going to spend $22.5 million on Trevor Bauer next year. The second thing, and I hope you were listening to Countdown to Opening Day. We ran it here on KMOX yesterday um, because we talked about this a little bit and whether or not his career is going to come to an end. In fact, before I get into this, I'd love to see some reaction to to this. And let me start by saying this. I don't think he's going to be a Cardinal. I in no way, shape, or form believe that Trevor Bauer is going to end up as a Cardinal. So when I throw out this hypothetical, I'm not throwing it out as something that might happen. I'm throwing it out as if it did happen, what would your reaction be? I don't think it's going to happen, uh, but I'm, I'm curious. So I'd like to hear from you on the text line. 314-436-7900. That's how you text into the program. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. The idea of Trevor Bauer, and by the way, this it's it's a total hypothetical. So if you're a Royals fan listening to us right now, insert Royals for Cardinals. If you are whatever fan you are of any team, and I'm guessing 99.9% of the people listening to me right now are Cardinal fans, but this really has less to do with the Cardinals and has more to do with your thoughts on Trevor Bauer joining your team. So because I'm talking to mostly Cardinal fans, we're going to use the term Cardinals when talking about a team. But this is what I want to hear from you. Would you support, knowing that Trevor Bauer is a really good pitcher, but likely a horrible, horrible, horrible human being, would you support that player coming onto your team, the Cardinals? Text in your reaction to that, 314-436-7900, or tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. What would be your thoughts if the team you support, the Cardinals, went out and made the decision to sign a Trevor Bauer? Again, it's not happening, I don't think. I would be shocked. Uh, I I think there is a better chance that he never plays Major League Baseball again than he than there is the chance of him being a Cardinal. If he ends up getting picked up by another team, it has to be a team where the fan base is somewhat disengaged. And that is the opposite of what we have 
in St. Louis. We have a very engaged fan base in St. Louis. It's why St. Louis baseball fans are as good of any fans of any professional sports team probably in the world, certainly in the United States and in North America. So I don't think he fits here where being a Cardinal means so much. Being part of the community means so much. You can go other places and there's going to be a little bit of a pushback. You come here, I think there's a lot of pushback. We're already getting some text messages in here. No thank you to Mr. Bauer. Integrity over winning every time. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see him here. And I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you, before the sexual assault allegations, well, I want to be very clear in how I say this. Before the allegations of sexual assault, I always kind of liked Trevor Bauer. He did things his own way. He was kind of a different dude. He was he was his own guy. And I remember when I was broadcasting AAA baseball, he was playing in the Diamondbacks organization, so he was playing for Reno. I was broadcasting AAA baseball in Colorado Springs. And I would watch his pregame routine where he would basically be throwing the distance of the outfield, foul pole to foul pole, during his pregame routine. And it was very interesting to watch and nobody else does it. And a lot of times in baseball, this goes back to our conversation, by the way, with Andrew Wright a little bit ago. A lot of times in baseball, you do things because this is just the way you've always done things. We're in a really interesting place in baseball right now where more and more new ideas are starting to be accepted. And I think that's good. And what Trevor Bauer did in just the way that he trained his arm, kept his arm together, did things his own way. It was, I I kind of looked up to it. I thought, okay, this is a guy who's going to be his own self and he's not going to let anybody get in the way of it. And during that process, he became one of the best pitchers in baseball. Again, that was all before the sexual assault allegations. I, since those, those allegations, even... Even what, you know, just because something might not be illegal doesn't mean that it's okay. And even the stuff that he admitted to, even the stuff that didn't, that was, you know, whatever. The the stuff that there's no real argument about whether or not it happened, it's, it's not great. And the biggest thing here, and we keep hearing this from people over and over and over again, Dodgers teammates didn't want him around. That says a lot because they want to win. They want somebody on the team that's going to help them win. But the baggage that he brought, his act, the way he acted in the clubhouse, that was um, that was the bigger deal. Another text message. I wouldn't want him. It's tempting, but this guy's been in trouble a lot. He'll just do another stupid thing. That comes from our guy, Doug. So, again, if you want to comment on this, feel free to uh, text in 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or you can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We will uh, take a break, come back, and uh, wrap up our number one of the program at Sports Open Line. We're back after this on KMOX. 
It's a sports day Saturday on KMOX at two men's Billikens basketball action as they take on St. Bonaventure. Right after that game, it's Chiefs football as they play the Vegas Raiders. Then Saturday night, the playoffs are on the line when Jacksonville hosts Tennessee. Catch all the games this Saturday on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. That is a big old sports day coming up on Saturday. That is a technical term, by the way, big old. That's a big old sports day coming up on Saturday with the Billikens and with the Chiefs and uh, then with the uh, what the, the Raiders uh, wrapping things up. So uh, that's going to be fun. Do you like the – if I was the NFL, like we just saw the NFL dominate Christmas. When, when you think about games on Christmas Day, you always think about the NBA – so there was a there was a social media graphic that was going around today. I think I saw it. Kevin Wheeler uh, retweeted it, and that's where I saw it from. Let's go back and find this thing. Yeah, all right. So did you, Matt Pajeski, did you see this graphic that I'm talking about? Do you have any idea of what I'm about to say? No, and I think you're going to ask me, like, the number of viewers, and I'm going to be way off. Uh, not Okay, 100 most watched TV shows in 2022. The entire calendar year, 100 most watched TV shows in 2022. And an NFL game counts as a TV show. The Grammys count as a TV show. The Academy Awards, any various TV show is that. 100 most watched TV shows of 2022. How many of them do you think are NFL football games? 25. 82. 82. Um, the 35th most watched show this past year on anything was on Christmas day when the four and 10 Broncos matched up against the four and 10 Rams. So here you are. It's Christmas day, a day that you should be spending with your family watching Hallmark movies. It's Christmas day, a day that if you are going to be watching sports, you're known to be watching basketball. And still, the most viewed show that day was a crappy NFL game. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than two 4-10 teams matching up against each other. The NFL owned Christmas. So, you know, the NFL kind of stays away from Saturday games during the during the you know regular season most of the time because of college football being played on Saturday. But if the NFL wanted to start playing Saturday games, they'd be fine, and they would get huge ratings. And I know people talk about, you know, oversaturation. That's probably the word. I don't think the NFL can oversaturate. They do those London games that air at like 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Everybody's watching them. They do these Saturday games. Everybody's watching them. It's just, I would, if I'm the NFL, I create as many TV windows as I possibly can. Now, is there a little bit of oversaturation in there in the sense that maybe the average viewership per game might go down? Okay, sure. But total viewership will go up. You're going to get a total number of more eyes on it by having all, all those windows. So, the NFL playing games on Saturday, 
from a business standpoint, I think there's some sense to it. And they've got the two games coming up, Chiefs and uh, Raiders, and then the uh, Titans-Jaguars uh, is the uh, second. I, I misspoke coming out of the break. Uh, that Titans-Jaguars game is the second game. Chiefs and the Raiders are, are matching up in the uh, first game, as you'll hear uh, right here on KMOX. But, yeah, they, they just dominate in every it's, – it's remarkable. 100 most-watched TV shows of 2022, 82 of them – are NFL games and uh, 19 of the top 20. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, uh, 35 of the top 40. Like we can just we can keep going on this. It's it's wild. It is wild. Um, what what we see and uh, there's this was also an election year, so there's a couple political programming things in there that uh, did quite well. If this isn't an election year, it's probably 85 or 86 of the top 100 because there's a hand, there's four political programming uh, things that end up in the top 100. All right, that's our number one. We've still got a lot to get to. Don't go anywhere. We're back with more in just a moment. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 